and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome, welcome to another one of the Flying Changes Mindset um, recordings here. Um, today we are live with lovely, lovely Erin Orford. Hi Erin. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Now, Erin, you are a bit of a para queen, aren't you? So you are um, Team GB para rider, aiming for the top um, and lots going on with that right now. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Erin, and, and what it is that brought you to be where you are today or where did it all start, really? Oh, um, so I it basically all started uh, through the riding for the Disabled Association. Um, so my disability is that I'm a bilateral through knee amputee, um, which means I had both my legs amputated through the knee, aged one. Um, I'm also missing the radius in both my arms. So I have slightly shorter lower arms and four fingers on each hand. Um, so kind of between my elbows and my knees, I'm relatively normal. Um, and it's just the kind of extensions of the limbs that are affected or aren't there. Um, so kind of that's all I've ever known. I've grown up like in that way and, and learned to do things in that way, um, which I imagine is the easy way to do things. So I think I was one, uh, one or two. Um, I first was put on a horse for, for the RDA. Um, and kind of did that for a, a long time and at the time I didn't know kind of para para sport wasn't that big wasn't that well promoted um, more than anything it was it was about the promotion or, or lack of it so I didn't know it existed really um, and I think it was kind of 2004 just before 2004, we moved house as a, as a family um, and actually moved around the corner from Claire Strange's family, who was captain of the wheelchair basketball team. Um, and she was very heavily involved in sport development and, and getting young people into sport um, and para sport. So we, we met her and um, had that summer um, I had a lot of issues with, with my prosthetic legs um, and I don't actually have, I, I've never owned a wheelchair so my legs are my way of getting around so I spent quite a lot of that summer um, either going to the hospital to get to get fittings done or, or sat at home. Um, so my mum took me to Athens Paralympics um, um, to watch Claire and, and, and all the other sports and, and kind of that was where I was, that was how it started and I, I saw the British team win gold um, and, and lots of other success there and I kind of that's what, what pushed me to, to want to pursue that and kind of really open my eyes as to what opportunities are out there. So um, yeah, that was kind of the turning point I think for me. Cool. OK, and we're going to come back out more to that part of your story later. So you obviously put on a pony very young, very young. <laughs> Where did that come from then? Is it something in your family or is it, you know, what well, must have been something in your family to want to be on a pony at that young? Like you don't really get much set at that kind of age, do you? No, um, I mean, I'm not sure you can call it riding at age two. You, you literally are just led around. Um, no, my mum my did did used to ride um she had quite a bad accident when she was 14 and broke her pelvis so uh that was the end of her riding um so uh, other than that I, I don't really come from a horsey family my, my dad comes from Liverpool and you know hadn't hadn't had anything to do with horses um didn't really have pets <laughs> in in his youth I don't think um but it was suggested as a as a form of therapy to help with my balance, um, and as part of that, um, kind of learning learning about your body and your balance and your core stability and and that side of it, um, 
it was suggested to take me to RDA, I think through through chance, through one of the the mother groups sort of thing. Um, so that was kind of what, what pushed that move. Um, I think they probably regret it a little bit because <laughs> it's a very, can be a very expensive move. But um, yeah, so kind of I don't grow up, you know, I don't, I never grew up with horses um, at home. You know, I, I never dreamed of, that I would ever have my own horse. That wasn't that wasn't the norm. Yeah, and so obviously it stuck. Um, it's a bit like my parents bought me my first horse riding lesson at seven years old because I pestered them and pestered them and pestered them, and they thought <laughs> they would get it out of my system. And I'm now heading towards thirty-seven, and I think they've realised it's not yeah, a phase. It's not a phase. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about what it was that then kept you in that. So obviously it started as a therapeutic thing, but very much clearly developed into something much more. What was it that that drove that for you? Yeah, I think I've I've always been very competitive. Um, kind of I, I used to you know at, at the start I was kind of not a regular um, I didn't have a regular slot I used to sit by the phone um, back when we didn't have mobiles and there was a cord um, and kind of every week I would wait to see if I got a call and, and to see if I could I could ride that week um, so kind of it it developed from there um, and I liked, I always liked the challenge of riding. I always wanted to do more. I liked the the relationship you have with your horse. Um, I think kind of, for me, I, I got to a point where I wanted to do more and I wanted to compete more and I wanted to progress. And before I knew about, um, you know, parasport and and back in those days, there were there were much fewer transitional kind of opportunities between RDA and sport riding. So we didn't have the bronze, silver, gold that we have now. Um, so it, and it, I think the perception was was very different. Kind of everyone was very safety conscious, and um, you know, not not quite so aware about the sort of horses that that power riders could ride and and that side of it so um i think as i got towards my teenage years and um you know my friends were doing different things and socializing more and you know at age 13 14 i was looking for a bit more of a challenge and and to try different things and i did actually take a, a bit of a break from rda we we moved house before we moved, um, when we moved to to where we are now or where, where the family home is now, um, it meant that the journey was a lot further to go to go for these sessions. It was uh, over an hour or something. So um, I was starting to to get a bit lacking where I where I could go with it and and the sports side of it. Um, so I did actually take a bit of a break at about four or five months. Um, and then I met Claire and Claire introduced me to a sport centre that was very good at the, the transitional phase. Um, and she kind of said, what, you know, what sport do you want to do? And um, why don't you try wheelchair basketball? But I'm, I'm quite short and I've got short arms. So <laughs> I think we very quickly agreed that that wasn't where my forte was. And she kind of said, what, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to ride. Um, and that's how I I moved on to the transition to sport riding um, and I was very lucky so I was at South Bucks RDA um, and they had they've got a lot to riders. answer for haven't they South yeah. Bucks <laughs> they had a lot of previous riders like Sophie who was going out to Athens and um, uh, Natasha went there at one point I think I think most people have been there at some point so um that was kind of the the point where it became a little bit more competitive um, and I started to see what other people were doing. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, they had different horsepower, they had a different setup and, and um, it, it really opened my eyes as to, as to the, the sports side and kind of after Athens, I did a talent spotting competition which was kind of my first big 
national thing um and i and i won that and um on like a borrowed horse that that i was riding at the time and kind of that was the the driver and and got me noticed a little bit i think so you've talked then about the the sort of the difference between rda and and power and calling it sport <clears throat> and i think a lot of people intertwine the two but actually they're very different aren't they so tell us a little bit about in your experience, the difference that's been between the RDA and para and how actually they are they are linking a little bit better nowadays, aren't they? They're, like you say, South Bucks is very progressive in that. And I know other centres that are really good at looking at it more of the sport now. Yeah, um, I mean, the first one I went to was, uh, was, in, was in Chesham um, and we literally had like a 20 by 40, the ponies were tied up kind of on on a on a yard that was really really lovely um and um but they didn't have you know they they didn't have the the sport horses um it was quite a small center and um you, you know they didn't have well no one had kind of the owners that that now are interested in providing horses for for rda and and sport horses um so rda has always been a bit more therapy based which is their main goal and and still is um but they are you know they they now have the rda regionals rda nationals you can compete to a, a high level um within rda and there's a lot of opportunities to do that um but the there is a bit of a a crossover towards the sport riding so you know not everyone who rides is aiming for the Paralympics. It's, you know, not everyone who rides able-bodied is aiming for the Olympics. So it's having those opportunities for, for people that that want to ride for leisure, uh, want to ride for therapy can do that. Um, and those that want to ride sport-wise um, and compete, whether that's for fun, um, regional level, national level, whatever they want to do, um, right up to Paralympic sports. So, there's just so many more opportunities and a lot of riders have come through RDA um, if kind of if they've grown up with a disability or if they've um, had an injury and, and had to rehabilitate a lot of people do come through that route um, and it's a really good way for people to do that and they it's a really good support system that they have um, through the RDA so they they are very different um in terms of their goals but there is a, a connection and there is quite a nice link for yeah for some people and I think there's a bit of a common misconception out there isn't there that if you are not able-bodied that actually everyone's aiming for the Paralympics um there, there seems to be that misconception yeah. but obviously you are and have and and are very much aiming for that um, before we get on to more about your, you know, like your Team GB journey, I want to know um, what's one word that you would use to describe you and why it is that you do what you do? What would be one word you'd use to kind of really sum that up and why? Um, oh, God. Um, I don't know. A lot of people have have called me stubborn. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, equestrian sport is, is not straightforward, you know, whatever level you're doing, you're doing it at, um, you can have very good days and very quickly you can <laughs> feel like you can't do it or the horse goes lame or, you know, barriers are thrown in your way. Um, and that's for everyone with, I mean, that's you know life isn't it but especially with horses you've got you've got two living beings so um rider injury and horse injury is you know a, a real a real thing um so i think that's probably yeah been the been the thing that has kept me going with it but also kind of i love i love riding i love training um I love pushing myself, you know, even kind of in with gym work and things like that. I love kind of that feeling that you have 
worked really hard you've pushed yourself to the limit in some way or another like that feeling of um testing yourself and kind of the thing i love about equestrian sport is that it isn't one kind of physical thing that makes you better than anyone else kind of it's not about being the tallest or the strongest or the fastest um yes you can kind of optimize what you have but there's you know you can't look at a rider and and be like off horse you're going to be a bad rider or you're not going to make it um because there's no one physical type you know for for men and women to compete equally for paras and able body to compete equally you know it, it's it's not about strength it's about skill and training and kind of the the bond that you have with your horse um and that's what kind of really appeals to me with with this sport and so you call it stubbornness i call that resilience <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so let's get on to resilience, stubbornness, whichever you want to call it, single-mindedness, all of those both, things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what then has been your greatest challenge on your journey so far that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it? Oh, um, tons. I, yeah, I, I couldn't probably pin down one. Um, I had... Uh, particularly challenging shall we say um year in 2014 it was the the build-up to the world equestrian games um and in oh it must have been february i broke my back in four or five places i don't remember um and my ribs four or five ribs so i had quite a quite a strong fall um and I'd had a lot of falls kind of over the years, you, you do, don't you? Um, but none where I couldn't kind of get back up and get back on, basically. Um, and that, so that was my first big one. Um, I was off for six weeks. I was really, really lucky. I was able to go to a rehab unit at Bisham, um, I think a week after I'd fallen off um, and I remember being in hospital and kind of they had said I was desperate to go home because I'm not a fan of being in hospital and, and not being able to do anything um, and they'd said you can you can go home once you can go to the toilet on your own so I remember a couple of days after my fall I um, I managed to walk <laughs> or hobble, whatever it was, um, to the bathroom, and I got a round of applause from the from the ward because we were all kind of aiming for the for the same for the same goal. We all, you know, we all had our our kind of small journeys, um, and six weeks after that, I was able to get back on and ride. Um, my horse, my top horse at the time, had just also had six weeks off um, because partly because of an injury and partly because I'd been off. Um, so I think the second time I was back on him, he spooked a, a, some birds, uh, bolted, realised that he shouldn't be bolting and stopped dead. So I went straight over his head uh, back in hostel. Um, luckily, I hadn't done anything um, too bad, but quite bad bruising. <laughs> um and a bit of pride probably so i then found out that he was out for the season with injury so i had to very quickly find a horse that i could compete so that i could kind of retain my my spot on the squad and and be in contention um and i had so i very quickly found found a horse um and had her on loan for for a short period and at the end of the year, kind of, I was trying other horses because this one needed to go back. Um, and I had a horse on trial and, and fell off the horse again um, and ended up back in hostel. So 
I think I'd been in hospital about four times that year. Um, and I, at the end of the year, I, I tried uh, Dior or Pims, that was my top horse. Um, and I think I had had so many bad experiences. I was so on edge. Um, she's DiMaggio, chestnut mare, so she could be quite a hot mare as well. Um, and she gave me a feeling of buzziness. Um, and I think it took me about six months before I was happy riding her. Um, I kind of accepted the ride because she was very talented and and I really needed a horse. Um, so I kind of pushed my fears or doubts to, to one side um, and just stuck it out. And literally, I gave myself exercises to do to concentrate on with her in the ridden sessions um, so that I wasn't thinking about how I felt or being worried. Um, and yeah, I literally was like, I just need to get through a 20 meter circle in each rein, a couple of 10 meter circles, leg yields, you know, so I gave myself structure so that I had something to follow. Um, and kind of my, my biggest concern like well when I'd broken my back was whether I'd be able to ride again so to not ride because I was worried I'd be having the same outcome that I was so worried about from my injury so that was kind of how I put that into perspective a little bit mm. okay so you fell off three times you're in hospital three times you had every reason to say that's enough um jacking it in I haven't even got the horse right now um Clearly, one of your strategies to overcome challenges is to set yourself little goals and just keep working to achieve them. That's obviously something you said a few times that you do. Yeah. But if you get to the bigger picture element, what was it that kept you going then? Why didn't you, what was it that meant you didn't just go, oh, do you know what? I've got every single reason right now not to be doing this. Let's just let's just leave it like it's it's not going to happen. I just felt like I still had a lot. I wanted to achieve really um and even I remember when you know when I was in hospital and I most people would have ruled out you know the the championship at the end of the year and um I, I hadn't been to a championship at that point so it wasn't it wasn't something that I expected to do or that was anyone else expected me to do but kind of just I, I was I remember I was supposed to be going to Belgium kind of five or six weeks later. Um, so that was ruled out. And I just very quickly, once I had had a conversation with my manager, I had put a plan in place, um, I'd rerouted myself. I, I kind of felt that was, you know, that I, I was fine with it. I was fine with with sitting and resting for a week because I knew that that was my plan and week two I would be rehabbing and week three I would be stronger and kind of having just having kind of mini goals and, and a strategy kind of my my comfort blanket was a little bit knowing that I had a plan and that it still led to the overall goal and even though it was a slightly different route or time frame um that it was you know the the end goal was still the same um yeah so i i never kind of i never consciously was like i'm not gonna give up i'm not gonna you know it just wasn't it just wasn't my you know it just didn't even come into my head that almost that was an option it was just like right, okay, this has happened, what's next? What do we do next? Kind of how do we, how do we overcome this? Like, I don't, I don't remember consciously being like, do you want to give up? Do you not want to give up? You know, that wasn't a choice that I made. I mm. was a little bit on autopilot. So that sounds to me like then you've got a big mission, a big vision, and you're just going to keep going until you get to that. And the question of not doing it just isn't even there. Like that doesn't, it doesn't ever exist because it's going to happen by hook or by crook. So what is that bigger mission and vision that you've got? What is it that you want to achieve? I think 
kind of um my goal was always to to go to a championship um and to medal so um the the europeans i did that um and kind of anything else as a bonus and you know i i always have other goals as well like i, w I would love to compete at Saint george you know it, it's not doing doing the europeans has, has not taken that away but like i feel like i've ticked that off um and i can now be a little bit more enjoying the process and have kind of separate goals um you know having having goals like going to the Paralympics and, and winning a medal is there's a lot kind of outside of my control um, and probably kind of in the past that led me to be a little bit out, outcome driven um, so in hindsight and with learning kind of I feel like I've done a lot um, and in terms of in terms of results and been on the team kind of championships i have done it um now i would like to do it better um and i i still you know that still drives me but now it's a little bit more about having you know bringing the horses on um being the best rider i can be um you know, and, and having extra goals like outside of the, the team prospects, if that makes sense, so that everything I'm doing is still working towards that, but it's not the be all and end all if if it doesn't happen. Um so it just gives me a bit of a a bit of a way out sort of thing so that I can enjoy the process a little bit more and um kind of last year for example one of my big goals was to enjoy competing you know because we and enjoy the small moments because we are so quick to move on to the next thing and and you know with with the europeans it all happened so quickly because of the the style of the competition you know we did the individual first and had medal day um and suddenly that was all done and it was the team competition um so you know it all happens so quickly and and almost you lose sight of what you've achieved already because you're always working towards the next big goal so um last year i really kind of and i've tried to do it this year but you know we haven't quite had the chance yet because we haven't had shows but to kind of, you know, I I love training and I love competing. I, I just enjoy both sides of that. Um, but often you are so quick to, you know, you're always doing a qualifier or regionals or nationals or um, an international, you know, you're building towards the next big thing. And last year I was like, I really just want to try and enjoy being in the moment and, um, you know that the mindfulness aspect of that and enjoy where i am what i'm doing at the moment and whatever happens happens if it goes well brilliant and if it doesn't then you know still enjoy the the process of it a little bit more i think and what do you think the impact has been of changing your focus from outcomes you know goals specific championships qualifications that kind of thing to the process like you say because i think a lot of people would just be really thrilled to hear that a lot of what i talk about all the time is don't focus on the things you can't control you can have them as a goal if you want to and you can aim towards them but they can't be the only goal you need to yeah. you need to focus on the process and then if the goal happens bonus you know cherry on top of the cake kind of thing and i think for people to hear that someone who is amy paras who has been you know world equestrian games medal winner europeans medal winner that kind of thing who has achieved those things to hear you say 
actually I was a bit outcome focused. It wasn't really ideal. And now I've flip turned it, but I'm still aiming for Paralympic, you know, and potentially, potentially, hopefully long listed. So hopefully Tokyo will see, you know, how, what's the impact of flipping that, that mindset to the process being for you? Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. Um, when you are competitive you always have to check yourself you always you always want that better result that better outcome you want to qualify or or boost your scores or get that medal whatever you're going for um so it is an ongoing thing um you know i do have to check myself sometimes and um I one of my weaknesses in the past is that I have my, my brain gets ahead of me um so I can be riding in a test and, and make a mistake and I'm like oh god now I'm gonna get a bad score now I'm gonna you know the selectors will think I'm inconsistent I'm gonna have to go out next week and do better I'm gonna have to prove myself Otherwise, I'm not going to be selected for the team. I'm not going to get this result. I'm not going to do this. Um, and suddenly, I, I've planned the next six months of my life, and it's all gone wrong. And I need to fix it. And I've, you know, and and I'm doing all of that while I'm while I'm still riding a test. So it is very ongoing. Um, I do have to kind of keep checking myself, but I think it enables you to you know we we talk a lot about marginal gains and and the small things that will make a difference um and focusing on the process allows you to do that because it stops you from jumping ahead um it stops you from planning 3 months in advance cuz we don't know what's you know we don't know what's going to happen we don't know how the horses will feel we don't know how we'll feel we don't know what the other 10 people on the squad are doing or what they're coming up with, you know. So it really helps to kind of zone in on what you're doing, um, the areas that you can improve and kind of how you can optimise that rather than looking at it as a generic performance um, or results or journey, you know. How do I get from... A to B there's like a hundred different elements as, as part of that and you know you can do everything right and you know someone comes out with a new horse and 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 beats you you know that is that is feasible and that is a possibility or the judges don't like what they see um so mark you down you know or your horse picks up an injury those are all very feasible things that a lot of them are out of your control. So, um, you know, someone, someone once said about, you only have a certain amount of space in, in your mind um, and a certain amount of mental energy. So if you can focus all of that in areas that you can control, um, at least you know that everything you've done is under your control and, and you have kind of, you have done everything you can in the areas that you have control of rather than worrying about what someone else is doing. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or if that's kind of um, how everyone else thinks about it, but it kind of really resonated with me um, and, you know, when you think about, um, I think it was Anki's fitness trainer, um, Dutch rider, who kind of showed us a bit of an exercise about zoning in and focusing on what you're doing. And he demonstrated her core strength with a couple of exercises. And then he gave her the same exercise to do whilst asking her questions that she had to really think about. And she was obviously a lot weaker when she was talking about these questions and answering these questions. And, you know, that's not a physical thing. There's no way she's physically weaker five minutes later than she was 
before, you know, and it really showed you how much your mind can influence your behavior and your strength. And, you know, people say about multitasking, um, multi-failing doing, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're yeah. doing multiple things badly or, av or at an average level. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that example. I'm going to go look that up now. So that's that's absolutely <laughs> perfect way of, of explaining it. And it's and it's so great to hear from, you know, yourself of your caliber to talk about these things, because, you know, the leisure riders and things, they think, oh, you guys don't have these problems. You, you know, you, you talk <laughs> about this stuff, but you don't really practice it. Or I want to be, you know, I need to focus on the goal. I need to focus on the outcome. What? Why is this process stuff? Keep, why does Jenny keep bleating on about it all the time? And And there's proof. There is proof that actually that's what you've got to do. So yeah. moving on from that, got a bit deep into the mindset stuff there, which is cool. It's fabulous. No, it's Sorry. great. People want to hear it. No, no, it's brilliant. And it's what people, you know, people want to listening into this and watching this. It's what they want to hear is that actually this stuff that we're talking about, we're not just doing it for fun. We're not saying this is a nice concept. Why don't we talk about the idea of process versus outcome? Um, but it's it's actually what you do and it's what you're taught and it's what you put into practice and it makes a difference. So moving on from that then. I want to know, let's let's lighten it back up again now too. Along all the amazing things you've done and all the fabulous things you've achieved and where you're at and everything, what's been your favourite, one of your favourite moments that you've absolutely loved along your way so far? Uh, just, I mean, there's been, you know, some really big ones, so riding you know, my, myself and, and Natasha did uh, a demo at Windsor in 2009, so just before um, Total Ass broke the world record um, and at the Europeans, so that was really special. Um, but for me, a lot of it is the, it's the small things. So, you know, in, when I was, um, when I was training, like, one of one of my past horses um teaching him to pf or passage or doing the flying changes with him and you know when the horses give you something that something new or they offer more than you know you ask um kind of it's a really nice moment and you know one of my one of my other favorites was kind of in i think it was 2012 i i did the home international so um, I was shortlisted for London that year and and kind of one of the one of the backups. Um so I did instead the the home international overbodied and um kind of going there and you know the class was huge. I'm used to having like ten uh, <laughs> at an international in our class and I think there was thirty-five. Um and kind of going there and, and winning that and and just putting Parasport out there a little bit and, and being like, yeah, we, you know, we, we do Paras, but being able to compete kind of on a, on a level playing field and, and showing people what, what we can do. Um, you know, I love moments like that and, um, yeah, just kind of, there's so many little moments that, that, make up the journey um you know i did last december my first able-bodied with with my younger horse um we did an elementary freestyle and, and we did it to to christmas music because i'd never done a christmas freestyle before and um my my kind of partial goal was to try and qualify him for the regionals and I said, you know, we didn't have much time um, in terms of qualification periods. So I knew I had to do two to qualify. So I said, right, I'll do one. Um, if I get the score, I'll, I'll do another one. And if I don't, I won't, I won't chase it because I'm just doing it for, for fun and something different. And um, so we went and, and did our Mariah Carey and Rudolph freestyle and um, you know, he, he got, we got 77% and like a PB. Um, and it was just so unexpected. And, and that was kind of one of the, one of the examples of, of, you know, of, of using, focusing the process and, 
um, I had a bit of a, a mental block about the canter work because um, he's quite bouncy and I don't I don't canter in my freestyles so uh, with him I hadn't done so much work in the canter um, and I had a bit of a mental block and there were there were some horses running around in the field next door um, and I was like right I'm just gonna try and do the trot work as well as I can because I can do the trot work I should be able to do that that's you know that's what I normally do and then it's the walk I can do that and I was like and if it comes to the canter and it all goes wrong then it all goes wrong and kind of I just let it happen and um yeah we managed to do a, a clean test um and yeah that was a really a really kind of special day and it's just yeah I, for me it's a, a lot of the a lot of the smaller moments really make it kind of probably on the bigger scale winning my my bronze at the europeans was my breakthrough you know um but moments like that don't happen very often there's there's a championship once a year <laughs> um so yeah it, it's the it's the smaller moments that i kind of really remember just as much really yeah, and it's lovely, isn't it, when those lots of those smaller moments really add up. And that is exactly what I say. That's about focusing on the process, focusing on the little wins, because that yeah. keeps you feeling good, doesn't it? Keeps yeah, you kind absolutely. of going. And, yeah, you know, that's why we do it, isn't it? We we don't we don't do it every day, you know, just for the one-off moment that might happen once a year. You know, you you would give up, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's the small moments, isn't it? It is. And like the Definitely. horse whinnies when you walk on the yard or something stupid like that. That yeah. Well, like yeah. you say when when you're training and actually they give you something and, and they willingly give you it and you think, Oh yeah. fabulous. This is the partnership that we want. Yeah. This is and, this is the whole point. And they offer it and they they you've seen that it clicks or you get that feeling that even on the ground you might not look like anything, but suddenly it clicks and you're like, Yes, this is yeah. This is why we've had five days of feeling like you can't ride or the <laughs> Yeah, and you have those yeah. days again, you know, there's this common misconception out there that you guys that are, you know, top of your game are um don't have these difficult moments or don't have the you know, it's all easy and it's just so not the case. It's never the case, no. no. And and you know, social media is a bit of a downer for that. Um and I always I always think, you know, it, it's it's like a an Instagram filter for real life, isn't it? You know, people don't, I think people go one extreme to the other. Mm. Um, they put disasters and they put brilliant times, but they're kind of mediocre. The horse yeah. was all right today, but nothing special <laughs> kind of. <Yeah. laughs> Business as usual doesn't sell yeah. though, does it? So yeah, absolutely. Um, tripped over a rug strap. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really make the cut a lot of the time, does it? No, definitely not. <laughs> Um, and that brings me on to then. So, you know, a lot of people also think that it's a it's a very lonely sport because it's you and the horse. But of course, you've got your incredible team around you. Who in your team is really pivotal? I mean, obviously, they're all important. But who have you found along the way has been like super pivotal to your success to be able to help what you do? Oh, um, everyone. Yeah, there's everyone in the team is is vital um i think you know having having people at the end of the phone um when you need you need help whether that's the farrier because uh, they've pulled a shoe off or whoever you're training with or friends um you know a lot of my friends outside the sport um you know some are a bit horsey but quite a few of them aren't and you know sometimes you have that time out where you just take a break from it and um you know I have it's it's really great I have a lot of I have a lot of friends and and you know my my team around me within the sport who really understand that and and that's great but I think um you know when when things aren't quite going to plan it's nice to be able to have a bit of a breather sometimes and you know I get that with 
with my with my work as well outside sport and um and and some of my non-horsey friends and then you know from from my horsey team and my um you know like at the moment i've um i'm i'm <laughs> i'm kind of been we've we've been through lockdown and we've not had a, a huge bubble <laughs> shall shall we say because we've not been going out and seeing a lot of people and um so I, i'm based with with sophie wells who's also you know obviously a team rider so you know having been in that environment where we're both going for the same goals we're both understand the the challenges um the pressures the politics or whatever you know you you have to deal with kind of having people in that environment that you that can relate to you and 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 know what you're going through and and understand it and live it is um you know really important but also you know you've got your family and and your friends and your your support system there's there's such a massive part of the of the team um that you yeah you, you just can't do it without all the people around you and um yeah someone said you know make sure that the the people you have around you are the people that will kind of clap for you when you're not looking and I suppose that really resonated because there are a lot of people that you might come into contact with that, um, you know, might not have your best interests at heart and, and, you know, might work with you on a short term basis or might kind of be there when you're having a rant, um, but, you know, might not have your best interests at heart and you know I've been really lucky in that I've I've not been in that situation you know the people around me have always been very supportive um but I know I know people that that have struggled with that so um that's always something that's resonated with me and I think that's applicable at all levels um you know we have a bit of a thing that we do in that we have a bit of a plan as to what you want people to say to you even when you're in a warm-up or you're at a competition and um you know what calms you down what do you want to know what do you want to hear um and it could be something silly like my radios are really good at picking up the sound so that um if like sophie's wearing a radio with with the headset on if anyone else that's nearby is talking, I can hear that. Um, you know, so we really look at kind of make sure you stand when no one's around or if you hear someone talking, make sure you move or, you know, um, and it could be something silly like a member of your team has just gone and looked at the scoreboard and seen what someone else has got or they might just be saying, oh, that horse looks really good or have you seen so-and-so? And, you know, it's really, really minor things and really, really little details, but um, just having the right people around you and and them knowing what to say as well, you know, and how to support you because most of the time people want to help. Um, they just don't always know how and, you know, that's that's up to you to say, this is what I need, this is what helps, this is what doesn't. Um, and that's so applicable at every level as well isn't it you know yeah. looking at all those areas and the whole picture that makes up you might have five minutes in that test but it's the whole picture that makes up the difference that means you can be your very best in that time and, and get the best out of your horse yeah. as well you know they it's all the support for them as well or even if it's just about enjoying it you know yeah. you might have someone that you come out and, and something goes wrong, but you're really pleased because you did X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, sorry yeah. about that. And you're like, actually, I'm really happy because I dealt with something else. But, you know, and, and then they don't know, do they? Unless you say, when I come out, don't say anything or, yeah. or do say something or, you know, it's, it's yeah. knowing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I do a lot, especially with parents and kids, 
um, that competing and things is have an agreement as to when you're going to debrief or give them a chance to talk because a lot of the time you come straight out of the arena and in that moment you're emotional whether it be good or bad or whatever yeah. you're in that <laughs> don't ask them then you know yeah. goodness me you're either going to get <laughs> yeah you're either going to get brat child yeah. or this is adults too I'm to be fair the pony. that's it yeah the, well that's it I'm yeah. giving everything up he or oh my me. goodness that was amazing yeah. that was fantastic and even then you know you still can't actually get that great analysis out of it can you no okay so just really quickly to sum up them I would like to know Along your journey, who has been your greatest inspiration and why? Oh, I knew she'd ask that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Lots of people. Um, I, I can't. I can't pin one down. Um, probably the most influential moment was going out to Athens um, and yeah seeing seeing it happen and, and seeing the the British team win gold seeing all the all the riders with different disabilities um, what they can do um, yeah I, I so many people throughout throughout my journey and for different reasons as well I think kind of yeah. I think you can take inspiration from everyone um not just performance wise um you know seeing friends deal with challenges outside the sport and and things like that and how how they retaliate respond deal with it um kind of puts trotting around in circles in perspective sometimes as well yeah definitely <laughs> absolutely well thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure hearing from you and hopefully loads of people are going to get loads of inspiration and top tips and <laughs> thoughts from this as well oh thank um, you for having me you're welcome is there anything that you wanted to finish up or just say before we we close this up for today um no i, I think we covered it all covered it all really yeah. <laughs> cool well thank you so much if anyone ever wants to get a hold of you uh, ask you any questions or follow your journey what's the best way for them to do that uh yeah i'm erin orford paradressage on facebook um e orford dressage on instagram um and yeah i've got my website which is erin orford dressage i think <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> yeah. super okay well thank you so much Emily. it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you and find out a little bit more about your journey and we look forward to supporting you to future success whatever that may be thank you and i hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in apple in google and on podbean Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening in to our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? You got this? You know you're gonna rock this? Who got this?